Our second reading this morning continues on from where Jess, uh, Jess was reading this morning. Uh, so John chapter 1 verses 10 on through to 18. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. From the law, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Well, good morning, friends. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, my family certainly had. We uh, had a great time and the kids uh, received lots of presents that I'm still keen to play myself, actually. But let's uh, turn to God in prayer and keep your Bibles open. We'll be focusing on just five verses, verses 9 to 13. But let's turn to God in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, that we can still hear you today as we read your scriptures and as we hear it taught. We pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our hearts today and give us great comfort as we come towards the end of this year. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as we come to the end of 2013, what a year it has been. It's been an amazing year, hasn't it? A year with so many changes. A year with so many ups and downs. A year with so many joys and happiness and also sadness and despair. Now, Time magazine, they put together the top international news of 2013. Here are some of them. Firstly, how can we forget this? The super typhoon, this deadliest of storm that hit the Philippines, the deadliest since 1991. What that left the country in was 2 million homeless, 800,000 people uh, uh, evacuated and over 5,000 people dead. How can we forget that? This was this year. What about this? Egypt's revolution. The military coming in to remove the elected president led to much violence. Many dead. That was this year. What about this? Serious civil war. Still ongoing. The gas attacks on civilians. Thousands killed. Now there's this mass refugee crisis. Fighting still continues. And of course this morning we heard about Sudan. Terrible year, hasn't it? Hasn't it been? But of course, not all was bad news. There was good news. Birth of a royal baby. Prince George Alexander, Lewis of Cambridge, the future King of England, our future monarch. Or what about this? I hope you're excited about this news. The Hobbit, released on the 26th of December. I'm still keen to watch that. Or what about this? This is good news to some, bad news to some. The Ashes, Australia wins it. 
not many of us too excited about that. I know Chris is, but... 2013, a year of many ups and downs, joys and sadness. And we see that on the world stage, but we also see that in the life of this church, don't we? In the life of this church. What were the ups? What were the the times of joy? Well, towards the beginning of the year, we get to share in the joy of different weddings, a few, two weddings. Josephine Milstein, no longer Milstein. What a joy that was. Uh, who else? Anthony and Rachel, earlier this year. What a joy that was to share in that as a church family. And also, births, new addition to the church family. Uh, we had what, Rob and Sarah with Luke, uh, Ian and Rachel with Jasmine, and, and who else? Uh, Philippe and Julie, that was this year, Christina. What a joy that was to share in that. And also we had additions to the church family by those becoming Christians, those turning to Christ in faith. And we witnessed one of these last week with the baptism of Stella. What a joy that is. As a church family, we can share in this joy together. But of course, we experienced sadness as well, didn't we? Accidents to some, illnesses to some, and just this past week, two funerals. So this is in the life of our church. But what about your personal life? Think about 2013 for yourself. Was it a good year, a bad year? What were the highs? What were the lows? But the joys could be the new job, the promotion, the new house. Some have purchased a new house this year. They were the joys of 2013. What about the sadnesses and the illnesses, the financial struggles like never before, the sense of loneliness like never before? the health issues, the relationship problems. Those are some of the sadness of 2013 for some of us. And that is life, isn't it? That is life, actually, every year. There are ups and there are downs. There are times of joy and there are times of sadness. It's ever-changing. Life changes always. Now, I wonder if you think about that and reflect on this year, whether that unsettles you just a bit. Does it concern you just a bit that life is so unpredictable? Does it bring you any distress or any concerns and worries? You know, one moment you can be filled with joy, with happiness, over the moon, but then the very next moment something happens, something you did not foresee at all, something that was completely unpredictable, something that you did not plan for, something that you could not have prepared for. And when that thing's happened, everything changes. Life changes completely. You see, life is so uncertain, isn't it? We see that just over this past year. Life is so uncertain. But this is not the note I want to leave us all here this year with. Rather, the note I want to leave us all here this year with is this, that as the world changes, the world will change and will continue to change. There will be ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster ride. As the world changes from under our feet, there is in fact something that remains the same. There is one thing that remains the same year in and year out. And that is this. It is the promise of the gospel. The promise of Christ to us remains the same year in and year out. And so I want us all to have a look at this passage. Look at verse 12 with me. Verse 12. To all who receive him, that is to receive Christ Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
If you receive Christ, you are given the right to become children of God. Now this is the key verse I want us to focus on today. The world changes around us and it will continue to change. It will change. Life is unpredictable. It is so uncertain. But this truth remains the same. If I receive Christ, if I believe in Christ Jesus, that's the greatest privilege of all, the greatest honour of all, the greatest blessing of all, because if I do, I am made a child of God. I belong to God as part of his family. I'm adopted as a son, as a child of God. I belong to God as his treasured child. And this is the great privilege of every single Christian. Every single believer, every one of you, you have this greatest of privileges. Because we get to call the God, the Master, the King, the Creator of all the universe, we get to call him Father. We get to call him Abba. Now, Abba is an Aramaic word which, which we can translate as like Daddy. It's a personal language. It's intimate. Calling God Daddy. Now, for a Jewish person, you see, throughout the Old Testament, God was not their father. You couldn't call God that father, the father. God was the Yahweh, the great I Am, the one who's transcendent and powerful, gracious and merciful, of course. But he is the great I Am. You, you don't call God father. But you see what happened when Jesus came, when Jesus taught us to pray as Christians. Jesus gave us the permission, the right to call God father. Abba, it's personal. It's intimate. I want us to just think about how, how wonderful, how glorious that is, that privilege that we all now have. Now, just think about that for a moment. Now, next year, some of you may be up on this gossip, but Prince William and the Duchess of Cambridge and Prince George plan to visit Australia. Now, some of you who read Women's Weekly will probably know about that, but anyway... They plan to visit Australia. Now, just so we get that opportunity, that, that chance to meet them, we can't call out to, to Prince William, hey, Bill and Kate, why don't you come over to my place, you know, me and me mates, and we put on some snags on the barbie and we'll have some fun. We can't talk to the prince that way, can we? You see, there are royal protocols in the way we greet a royal family. You see, we are to address them as your royal highness. And if Prince William, one day, when he becomes king, we have to address him as your majesty, because that's who he is. But how will Prince George address his father? Well, Prince George gets to address his father as daddy, as father. We don't get that privilege. We don't get that right. But we get that right with God, you see. We get that right, that privilege, that honour with God. You see how profound and wonderful and glorious that is? That promise. And J.I. Packer, the great theologian, he puts this so well. You know, in the Old Testament, God was Yahweh, I am. But the name of the Christian God, Father, is his name. Father is the Christian name for God because we get to call him that. And so we might have to call, you know, Prince William, your Royal Highness, when he becomes King, your Majesty, but we get to call God, the one who gave Prince William his life, the one who created everything. We get to call him Father, Abba, Daddy. And this is the relationship we get to have with God. You see, it's a relationship like no other. 
And it's a relationship that comes into existence not simply because we want it. We can't just want this and get it so simply. You see, none of us we can approach Queen Elizabeth II and we can't say to her, why don't you consider making me your heir? Adopt me into your royal family and give me the inheritance that belongs to your children. We can't say that to the Queen, can we? If we do, the security staff will be all over us. We'll probably be thrown into the mental institution if we try that with the Queen. But, but you see what happened with God. Look at verse 13 with me. We are children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. You see, the fact that this can happen is because it's God's decision, God's choice. God wants to do this. God gives us birth. It's God's choice to adopt us, to include us in his family, in his future, in his life, in the inheritance that belongs to his son, Jesus Christ. You see, all the world, all the universe, in fact, belongs to Jesus. But God, in his generosity, in his mercy, includes us in that. But you see, as great as this promise is, as the world changes around us, and it will continue to change, this promise which remains the same year in and year out, as great as this promise is, not everyone wants it. Isn't that strange? Such a great promise, such a great offer to be adopted into the family of God, not everyone wants it. Have a look at verses 9 and 10 with me. The true light that gives light to every man, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. You see, we just celebrated Christmas last Wednesday. The light, that is Jesus Christ, is coming to the world, the light that gives life, in fact, eternal life to us. He gives us peace with God. He gives us the right to become children with God. As great as that offer is, the sad fact is that not everyone recognises him. Even though he's the creator, the world was made through him, we read. But yet not everyone recognises him. You see, when Jesus was born, we hear this every year at Christmas time. He wasn't in a great palace. The paparazzis weren't watching. The world wasn't expecting. No private hospital, just a humble stable. The world did not recognise the Lord Jesus when he came. And even after Jesus started his earthly ministry, he was teaching with authority like no other, taught about the kingdom of heaven, repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is near. He performed wonderful miracles, healed the blind, the leper, raised the dead, calmed the storm. He did all those things. But yet even his own people, who should have recognised all those signposts showing and saying to them, this is your Messiah. Though they should have seen all that, they should have seen that this is the one God has sent to save them, they did not receive him. Look at verse 11. He came to which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The creator of this world, the ruler, the master came into this world and was rejected by his very own creation. Happened 2,000 years ago when he came. And it still happens today. It's no different today. You see, we're a nation built on Christian values, aren't we? Australia is a nation built on Christian virtues, Christian principles. But it's becoming less and less Christian. Jesus Christ today is a swear word to so many. 
Jesus Christ is rejected by so many. Jesus Christ is forgotten. Jesus Christ is ignored, but yet he's the creator. He gave us life, but yet we can neglect him. Now just think about your circle of friends, your circle, your family, the neighbours down your street, those in your suburb. I wonder what percentage of those people know and recognise the Lord Jesus. And I suspect the answer is very little. Isn't that a sad fact? He created this world, but yet this world does not recognise its own creator. Now just imagine how silly that would be to not recognise the one who made us. That's profound, profoundly silly. Just imagine this, you're sitting in a cafe, you've ordered your coffee, you're having your muffin, you're enjoying your coffee and your muffin yourself and at the very next table, just imagine, Prince William comes in with the Duchess of Cambridge, with the little baby, Prince George, they're sitting there, you... Well, you get that, you have the opportunity to greet the prince, but you ignore the prince. You know, you, you don't care about him. You give him the cold shoulder. You focus on your coffee, enjoying your latte. Now, what a serious missed opportunity that would be. I mean, if the prince was there, that's a great opportunity. Go over to the prince, your royal highness. Can I take a photo of you? And post that on Facebook and show the world. Look, me and the prince. What a missed opportunity that would be. But not only that, how rude would it be if the royal family was sitting there and to ignore the royal family, to give the royal family a cold shoulder, how rude would that be? But how much more so with the Prince of Peace, with the Lord of Lords, with the ruler of this world, how much more rude would that be to ignore him, to not recognise him? But not only that, What a serious missed opportunity that will be as well. He has come into the world and gives us the opportunity to be adopted into God's family. He has given us the opportunity to have the right to be called a child of God. The Prince of Peace has come, but this world does not recognise him. This world does not recognise its own creator. And that's why this promise it's so important for us to know as we end this year together. To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But then what does it mean to believe in his name? What does it mean to receive him? How can I make sure that I am a child of God? How can I have 100% certainty that I belong to God, I'm adopted into his family and I can call myself a son of God? How can I be sure? Well, we can be sure if we recognise who Jesus is. If we recognise who he really is and we recognise that we can't live our life ignoring him. We can't live our life forgetting him. We can't live our life, in fact, without him. Instead, I must receive him, believe in him, trust in him. And what do we trust? Well, firstly, we need to trust that Jesus is, in fact, Lord. That is, he's king. He's the master. He's the ruler. He's the one I obey. He's the one I submit to. He's the one I serve. So the first thing in receiving Christ is to receive him as Lord. But that's not all. The second thing is to receive him as Saviour, the one who laid down his life for me, the one who took the cross for me, in my place, for my sake. And so if that is what I believe, that Jesus is my 
Lord, and that Jesus is also my Saviour, if I believe that, that means that I have received Christ. I believe in his name. And when I do that, Jesus gives me, me, the right to belong to God's glorious heavenly family. Now, the way we can think about this is a bit like a marriage. Now, this uh, minister in England, he helpfully explains it in this way. Just imagine a marriage between a prince and a poor, disgraceful commoner. She's filthy, she's poor, she has a shameful family name, she's got a shameful past and she's got a hopeless future. But yet this prince, he loves her, loves her with all his heart and he's willing to overlook all that shame and all that disgrace and he offers himself to her in marriage. Now, as soon as they get united in marriage, what happens? Well, he gets all her debts and she gets all of his riches. He covers over her shameful name, her shameful past and gives her his family name. And she's welcomed into the family, welcomed into his life, welcomed into his inheritance, his future. And because of the prince, she's able to call the king daddy, father no longer your majesty, but brought into the family so that she can call the king daddy. We see, it's a bit like what Jesus offers us, this union with him, this marriage with him. And if we choose to receive him, to believe in his name, if we choose that, to believe that he is Lord and he is Saviour. You see, our shame, our sin, our curse, our judgement, he takes all that. He takes all right and he in fact paid for all that at the cross of Christ. And then all that is his becomes ours. All that belongs to the Lord Jesus becomes ours. He gives us the right to become a child of God. We enter into his family, into his inheritance, into his future. And we get to call God Daddy. How wonderful is that? Now, we must understand that this was, in fact, all unnecessary on God's behalf. You see, adoption, what God has done, is unnecessary. God did not have to do that at all. God could have saved us and just saved us, made us cleaners of heaven. He did not have to adopt us into his family. But that was what he did. And so God has done beyond what was necessary. And that's why Jim Packer, the the great theologian, he says this, The highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher than even justification, is adoption. Now, justification is great already. That is being declared innocent by God the judge, being right with God. But adoption is greater than that. And so Jim Packer says this, To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is a greater And then we read what Paul says in Romans. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, this Christmas, we all receive Christmas presents and wonderful things. But I cannot think of anything better than that. Being adopted into God's family, sharing in the inheritance of Christ, being co-heirs along with Christ. What is better than that? 
Now, the reason why I wanted to share this as we come towards the end of this year is simply because as I reflected on 2013, I can see how life, my life, those around me, how life is filled with so many concerns, so many worries, so much hardship, so many uncertainties. You know, sometimes it feels like it's suffocating with the things we experience as people. You know, just this year, within my circle of friends and family, two of our youth girls, they lost their father in a plane crash. How do you get through that? A minister friend of mine, he experienced the death of his daughter at birth. They went to the hospital expecting to bring her home. But she died at birth. How do you get through that? Another minister friend in Sydney lost his two-year-old daughter to SIDS. How do you get through that? That's hard, isn't it? I remember when that happened, I actually got a bit paranoid with my own three kids. When that happened in about July, I, I got up for a few nights just to check that my own kids are breathing. How do you get through that when you experience that? This year, I experienced the death of my Sunday school teacher to cancer. How does the family continue to survive and get through that? And then we hear of accidents that happen to some of us here. We hear of tragedies. This past week, two funerals. People losing loved ones. How do you get through all that? You see, life is so uncertain. It's out of control. Like shifting shadows. Like standing on sinking sand. And so what comfort is there? What stability is there for us as we travel through life? Well, you see, the stability... The rock that we have is that promise in verse 12. To all who receive him, to all who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, that never changes. And when I become a child of God, that never changes. Once I become family, I will always be family. Into all eternity I can call God my father ever. Daddy, what greater comfort is there in life than that? And so it begs the question now as I come to the end, are you a child of God? Can you say that you belong to God as his very own, a son or a daughter of God? Is that who you are? Can you say that with certainty? Because if you can't and if you haven't trusted in Jesus and if you don't trust in Jesus, well, there's really nothing I can guarantee you in life except Worries upon worries. Uncertainties upon uncertainties as you travel through life. There's no guarantee of anything at all except those things. Now we might think we have our life under control. We might think that we have our life all planned out. But we're really only kidding ourselves, aren't we? You see, we have no control over our life at all. And so if this is you, if you know that you are not a child of God's, If you don't belong to God as his own, well, why not do the wisest thing there is to do? Receive Jesus, believe in him, and he will give you the right to become a child of God. But of course, if you are already a child of God, then you know what? I can guarantee you this. In fact, it's not me who guarantees you this. It is the Lord Jesus who guarantees you this. Because however 2013 was, Whatever 2014 throws at you at life, whatever 2014 will look like for you, you have one rock 
you can stand on, that will never change. You have one wall you can lean on always that will never change. And that is this. You have a heavenly Father who loves you, who cherishes you, who gave his very own son for you, who you can call Daddy. And so as we live through life, and there's nothing we can hold on, it's just all so uncertain, all over the place, all out of control. You know what? If you are a child of God, you can rest assured because your Father in heaven, your Daddy, holds on to you.